Nations Podcast, June 19th, 2016. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the FC Podcast. I'm Bobby. Thanks for hanging out this week. I hope this podcast finds you well on your drive or afternoon off or that it provides a tiny little oasis inside your headphones at work. Before we get to the sermon, here's a little bit of what's happening right now at Foundations Church. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the Redneck series, that your vocabulary has expanded, maybe you understand your in-laws a little better. I'm sad to say that this will be our last week in the series, so if you're planning on wearing your work boots, camo, and trucker hat ensemble to church or trimming that flowing mane into a Kentucky waterfall, this Sunday's your chance to do it. We will not be selling shirts and books in the lobby this week. Those will be back, but not quite yet. Also, worship night is this Friday at 6.30. Child care is provided for children up to five years, so you have no excuse. This is absolutely my favorite service that we do, so don't miss out. Obviously, remember, foundationchurch.tv, that's where you need to go in order to submit any questions or suggestions about this podcast. Remember, I'm Bobby. I'm here to serve you. All right, that'll do it. It is my humble pleasure to introduce our tall, dark, and handsome pastor, doctor of common sense, the trailblazer of truth, scholar of scripture, the seven-foot right, septum. Good to see everybody here this Justin Sunday Grace. morning. Um, I know we have some guests from distant lands here with us this morning, some from England, some from Jamaica. And Brian, it's your job to explain what a redneck is now that you've been in Oklahoma long enough. So um, if you have questions, blame Brian. Um, he brought you here today. So hey, today we're in our third week of Redneck, and um, this is a great, great series, and we're going to dive right in because hopefully, Dad, you have some yummy food waiting for you at home. Well, praise God. Um, but if this is your first time here at Foundation Church, we want to welcome you, and one thing we truly believe is church can be fun and life-changing. It doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be something you endure and you're like, oh, this is awful. Um, but it can be you get to be here and not that you have to be there. And so I hope that you enjoy service, but in more than anything, I hope your life is transformed. I hope you go away, change, um, a better person, more like God and less like you. So um, today we're gonna be talking about a sermon that I've entitled Over Yonder and TV Dinners. Over Yonder and TV dinners, and hopefully it will make sense by the time we're all done, um, that it all comes to a close, and you're like, okay, it makes sense. Today I wanna talk to you about avoidance. There are things that we, as people, simply avoid. We, 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 we avoid things because we don't like things, and that's, that's normal. Um, some of the things that you and I have a tendency to avoid um, is, for example, going to the gym in January. Uh, if, if you are a person that goes to the gym, it is awful during January because everybody has their New Year's resolution. They're going to exercise more, eat less, and then summer happens. And there's cupcakes and there's donuts with dads, you know, out in the lobby. And you're just like, ah, I don't need the gym anymore. January at the gym is something we avoid. Some of us, we avoid uh, uh, the dentist. I hate the dentist. We had a dentist in our first service, and her name's Courtney Johnson. I'm like, Courtney, I bet you are the best dentist in all the world, but I don't go to you because it would hurt our relationship because I get 
cranky at the dentist. I don't like them scraping. I don't like the little polishing because it feels like I've got sand in my teeth. Um, I don't. I, I, it literally takes everything I have not to cancel my dentist appointment. And I don't cancel it because I don't want to look like a redneck. And so um, I keep those appointments. For some of those, you're here today. Some of you, you avoid family reunions at all costs because um, it's like a blow up every time your family comes together and that that aunt always talks about that thing that happened 50 years ago that still the family's mad about. Um, for all of you here, I will give you advice. If there's something you want to avoid, avoid Walmart on Saturdays. Don't go. Avoid the store before an ice and snowstorm in Oklahoma hits because there's no more bread and there's no more milk. It's like everybody's got to go get bread and milk before the ice storm. And then if it's December, you avoid at all costs if you are a Tulson, 71st Street. <laughs> you don't go down 71st Street during December unless you have to. And the whole time you're like, why did I do this? Because it's awful. But, but here's the deal. We talk about things we avoid, but there are really things that matter in life that you and I, we avoid. We avoid in the process of living, in the process of becoming a man or a woman of God. We avoid things, we avoid confrontations, we avoid decisions, we avoid taking new steps and new actions because there's risk to it. And there's moments and there's times where God asks us to do things and he's calling us to do things that we just simply decide to avoid. We'd rather stay here than go over yonder where God is calling us. Now, over yonder is a southern lingo, um, and I will tell you that our worship pastor, our, our executive director, Shannon Dalrymple, uses over yonder on a weekly basis, and I'm not making that up. And he doesn't even try. Oh, it's over yonder way. Um, here's what over yonder means. It's southern lingo that means over there. And so if you were to use it in a sentence, this would be a good redneck sentence. This ain't your plate of spam. Your plate's over yonder um, because... Canned meat's just gross. It's canned meat. Um, don't eat it. Uh, it's just nasty. And, and so God has moments and times in our life where he's calling us not to stay where we are, but to go over yonder, to go over and take new steps, to take new ground, to do new things, to take new risks, to do new things that he is calling us to do. But many times, we avoid the over yonder. And, and the perfect story in the Bible is a guy that started to engage in his over yonder at age 80. Is there anyone here that is 80 years old here today? You just say, I, just raise your hand. Are, are you 80 years old? We've got one. Is that it? Two, anyone? Any, you're not 80, Brian. Oh, okay, I was like, I got one, two. Is there anyone else? Oh, yeah. So we've got, we've got several people that are 80 years old. Man, can I tell you, I love it that you're still at church here with worship and lights are shining in your eyes and you're still here. That's awesome. Um, 80 is a pretty significant age. I mean, you've lived a lot of life at 80 years old. I'm telling you everything I can without calling you old, because you're not old, you're 80 years young. And our, our, our guy today is Moses. 
Moses' first 40 years were spent from a baby to a 40-year-old man in Egypt. And his second 40 years, from 40 to 80, was spent in the wilderness. And you know what? We really don't know that much about Moses' first 80 years, honestly. In fact, the Bible really only dedicates two to maybe two and a half chapters to Moses' first 80 years. In fact, the, the age between 40 and 80, there's only five verses that talk about him being in the wilderness and marrying Zipporah and all these different things and taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. That is during that five verses that happens in his 40 to 80 years old. And then when Moses turns 80, he has what we know as a burning bush experience. Um, if you've read your Bible, okay, let's, let's be real. If you've watched The Prince of Egypt or The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston where he holds up the rifle, I mean, he holds up his um, uh, staff, you know, he rifle because he was in RA. Um, but he, he holds up his staff and says, let my people go. And, and you remember, you remember, you remember this. And you remember the burning bush moment. And it was this awesome moment where God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And this is the first uh, uh, time that God has really encountered and spoke to Moses. And it's this awesome, awesome moment. And that's our text today in Exodus chapter third, 3. Verses nine through 11, and it says this, God's talking to Moses and he says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now, when I read this text most of the time, most of the time when I was reading it growing up, I thought, it was a suggestion that God was giving to Moses. You know, it was like, okay, Moses, you know, I need you to go. I need, like when I, I'm not, there's not an urgency. I'll be like, hey, girls, um, when you get to it, I need you to clean your room up. I need you to do the dishes. And they're like, okay, um, that never happens, right? And so I have to go and be like, girls, clean your room up now. You know, do the dishes now. That's what God is having. God is not asking Moses here. God is commanding Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And check out Moses' reaction. But Moses protested. He didn't just disagree. He protested. You ever had that moment where your kid protests? They're not just disagreeing with you, but they throw up. It. They pro I'm not talking about when they're little. I'm talking about when they're grown adult teenagers too. They protest. You can't do that. That's Moses here. You can't do that. Moses protested. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And Moses starts giving every reason he can't go over yonder. Every reason he can't over, go over there, but he can stay here. In fact, he argues with God seven times in Exodus 3, verse 13. He says, what if I go and they ask, who sent you? What do I do then? In Exodus 4, 1, he says, what if they won't believe me? Listen to me, or doubt that you really did show up 
to me. Oh, God sent you, huh? God told you to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've had those moments, oh, God, God told you to. Yeah, that's a great one. God told you to ask me out, and we would be boyfriend and girlfriend, huh? God told you to break up with me, huh? You're real courageous. You know, God, what, what if they don't believe me? Exodus 4.10, Moses says, but I'm not good at speaking. He talks about all his limitations and what he can't do. I, I can't do that. That's not in my gifting. That, John Maxwell says to play to your strengths, God, and that's my weakness, so I can't do this. That's not what the leadership guru says. I, I'm not good at speaking. In, in Exodus 4.13, it comes to a place where Moses says this, Lord, please send anyone else. Just He doesn't even give God a name, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't say Aaron, he, he just says anyone, anyone but me, you know, pick anyone else but me. And in Exodus 5, it says, when Moses talks to Pharaoh and they take away the straw and they up the quota of bricks that the Israelites have to make and the Israelites get mad and it didn't go the way he thought, he said, why did you send me in the first place? If it's not going to be easy, if everything is going to go my way and the way that I envisioned it, why did you send me in the first place? In Exodus 6, 12, he says, my own people won't listen to me. Why should Pharaoh listen to me speak to? Here's the deal. Moses had every excuse. He ran the gamut of excuses. He hit them all. All the excuses we have for not going over yonder, Moses had them, and Moses was allowing his excuses to become his reality. And you and I, we cannot allow our excuses to become the reality that our life becomes. We cannot let all the excuses of why we can or what we are or what our limitations are or what, our, what, what we're gifted with or what we're not gifted with or I don't have the resources I don't, to, to determine whether we're gonna go do what God has called us to or stay here. Because understand this, it's our first point today, your significance isn't here. Your significance is over yonder. It's over there. It, it is crazy to me that Moses' significance was the very place that Moses was trying to avoid. Moses didn't want to go to Egypt because then he would have to face his past. People knew who he used to be. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you don't want to go to high school reunions because they're going to talk about who you used to be and you convinced your wife to marry you anyways. <laughs> oh, no, babe, let's not do that. It, Moses was avoiding the very thing, the very purpose that God had created. He was avoiding the very place, the yonder place where his significance was birthed. And some of us in this place, we're avoiding the place where God wants to bring our significance out of. Your significance isn't going to come from the comfort of being here, of being able to do what you are capable of. Your significance is over yonder when you have to rely on God to step up and step out and show up in a big way. And here's the deal. For Moses, when, he's in the, when, when they had the burning bush experience, Moses is pretty comfortable He's living in his father-in-law's house. Doesn't that sound like a dream, all you dads with son-in-laws? <laughs> living in his father-in-law's house, working in the family business, hiding, comfortable. Nobody knows his reputation. Nobody knows that he killed somebody. Nobody knows that he was a fugitive. 
Nobody knew that he was a prince. Nobody knew his potential. And a lot of us, that's what scares us. If people start seeing we're, we're, we have more potential to be more than what we are right now, it scares us. We become fearful because right here is comfortable, but your significance isn't here. Your significance is over yonder. Your significance is in the very place you and I are trying to avoid. It's, it's somewhere else. It, it's over there. Your significance is over there. It's taking the new step. It's doing a new ministry. It's stepping out and taking new risk and starting a new company or learning to foster or learning to have a conversation or learning to give or learning to talk to people and invite them. You are called not to just be comfortable here and be hidden, but you're called and your significance is over yonder. Can I tell you, you and I... You were never created to be hidden. God didn't create you to hide, to live this obscure life that doesn't affect the world. You and I, as followers of Christ, are called to be a city on a hill that cannot be hid. We're called to shine bright, shine your light to others so that your works may glorify the sun. That's what we're called to do. We're called to live life, not just live it comfortably, not just to live it here, but to live life to the full. And if you and I are gonna live life to the full, we can't do it here. We've, it's called over into yonder. Your significance is over there and what you're trying to avoid. It's in your Egypt. But what keeps us here? What keeps us here instead of going over there? First thing is this, is that we, we fall in love with the past and it becomes our slave over time. We fall in love with the past and as a result, it becomes our slave over time. When the Israelites left Egypt, they've, they've been delivered. Remember our text, the cries of the Israelites had reached God and they'd heard their moaning and their anguish and the, and, and the plight that they were in. And so he sends Moses and Moses delivers them and they don't get to the, just the Red Sea. The Red Sea hadn't even been parted. Okay, they just, all the Egyptians just gave them all their money, all their goods. Read the Bible. The Egyptians are actually giving all the Israelites all the gold, all the silver, all the, all these things is happening. And they come to their first trial and Pharaoh's coming in behind. They've got the Red Sea in front. And what do the people do? Moses, what are you thinking? You brought us out. Do you remember, guys, do you remember how awesome it was back in Egypt? They didn't hit us that hard. You know, they didn't whip us that bad. I mean, we kind of deserved it sometimes. You know, it wasn't. And they, they were remembering, they were making their past better than they thought. They get across the, the, the Red Sea and they get there and now there's no water sometime in the desert. And just, just a few weeks later, no water. They've seen God send the plagues and split the Red Sea. There's no water. And they start murmuring and thinking about killing Moses and Aaron. And they're like, oh, to be back in Egypt to have all the sparkling water with the flavor in it, you know, and they had watermelon flavored water and clearly Canadian and the melons, the leeks, I don't even know what a leek is, you know, I thought that's something you did in the bathroom. I, you had melons, fruit, vegetables, all we could eat. And now we're in the middle of nowhere. They made their, their past better than it was. 
Can I tell you, when you fall in love with your past, you become its slave. Because the good old days were never as good as you made them out to be. And here's what I'll tell you. We many times exaggerate the past, and as a result, we underestimate the present and dread the future. And when you and I don't venture out into our over yonder, we become slaves to our past. The second thing that keeps us here is we feel inadequate for the calling. Let's just be honest. For some of us, you know what God's calling you to do. I believe every single one of us, we have a next step in our relationship with Christ. Even if you're 80 years old today, Moses had a next step at 80 years old. There was a yonder moment for Moses to go. Moses' significance started happening when he was 80 years old. You and I still have significant things that God is calling us to do, no matter if your kids are grown, your kids are out of the house, your kids are still in the house, they're small, and we wanna say, well, my kids are small, I don't have any, I don't have any time, I can't do anything. You are called to live a significant life and do significant things, but many times the reason we don't is because we feel inadequate and we won't admit it to anyone else. I've never done this before. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to afford it. I don't know who's going to do it with me. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know if I can absolutely do it. I don't know if I have the if factor, if I have the talent. Can I tell you all those thoughts went into my mind in Casey's mind when we started this church? Everything. We had no money. We had no people. I'd never done it. I, I, I was like, who's going to come? I don't know who's going to come. I mean, people are crazy if they're going to come to Memorial High School when we started church. But that was our over yonder moment. We had a next step and we continue to have next steps. And you and I, when we let our inadequacies, inadequates, when we let our limitations <laughs> speak louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit, guess which one you're going to listen to? And 2 Corinthians says this, chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. It says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Paul is talking about his thorn in the flesh, his weakness. And he said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can I tell you, God isn't looking for someone capable. He's looking for someone needy. We, we've made needy a really bad thing. And I will tell you this. If you are looking for a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you don't want somebody needy. Oh, Jesus, help you. I, I couldn't stand... And it was a long time ago, but I couldn't stand when I had a girlfriend, oh, I just need to see you, I just need, we spent the whole half day together, what more do you want? I mean, I know this is good and all, but good gracious, girl, get a hold of yourself. I'm only one man, I have my limitations. I, I didn't like needy people, we don't like our kids to be needy. Now hold me, hold me, hold me, just hold yourself, stand up. God gave you two legs, stand there. You're 12 years old, kid, you know? Uh, we don't like needy people. But can I tell you, that's exactly what God's looking for. Man, he's looking for somebody who says, I, just like Mo, I cannot do this. This is way out of my comfort zone. And if you don't go with me, I can't do it. If you don't go before me, by me, and behind me, I can't do it. You've got 
to be. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for somebody needy. You know what else keeps us right here? Instead of going and taking yonder, instead of going over there and stepping into our significance, is that we hate test. We hate tests. If you're one of the people that when you were in high school, you like test, I don't like you. <laughs> when a teacher came in and said, we'll be testing, this grade will be, this test will be based on a curve. That is code for do not study. Okay? So everybody bombed the test. Because if, if the lowest grade is a 70, we all get 30 points on our score, you know? And we had some dummy that would actually study and like get a 97 and be like, I can't believe I didn't get 100. I'm like, I can't believe you made a 97, you big ding dong. And I'm like, I made a 60. 60 to 63, I still got a nap. That ain't working, Jack. You know, I'm like, what's going on here? I couldn't stand people like that because most of us, we dread testing. And can I tell you, when it comes to life, we don't like testing. We don't like challenges. We don't like those moments that are hard. And I want to tell you something. If you're ever going to go step into your significance, if you're ever going to go into your over yonder moment, it's not going to be easy. So many times pastors say, oh, it'll be easy. It's going to test your faith. It's going to make you have sleepless nights. But can I tell you, you will not find a greater fulfillment than when you step into your significance, but there's testing that comes along with that. And in James chapter one, Verses two through four, out of the message, it says this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Now, when is the last time you considered it a sheer gift when tests and challenges came at you from all sides? Uh, this past weekend, one of my buddies, Derek, he has several dogs, and he's got a beautiful home. And one of the dogs got sick at night and had diarrhea all over the floor. That's not the worst part. They have a Roomba. A Roomba is one of those vacuums that just go on its own. Oh yeah, the Roomba went everywhere. And so, let me tell you, Derek was not considered a pure joy when testing challenges came at him from all, he was, it was all over. But that was what James is telling us. When you're in it, and it's all over the place, James is saying, don't run from it, don't avoid it, consider it pure joy, and here's why. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. Let it do its work. Let the test and challenge do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Can I tell you this? It's our last point. Pain and testing always comes before promotion. Pain and testing Challenges always comes before promotion. And many times we try to go around what God is wanting to bring us through. Many times we want to take the shortcut. We want to take the detour. 
But God is wanting to use the Egypt experience, the over yonder moment. He's wanting us to go through it so that that test and the challenges that surround us from all sides develop us into the man and the woman of God that he has called us to become. That we are mature and well-developed, not lacking in any way. That's what tests and challenges bring. Moses wasn't called to stay here in the sheep. God had designed him and, and, and created him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And many of us, we're trying to disengage in what God is trying to get us to engage in. And I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say to you this morning, stop trying to get out of the furnace because God's trying to make you fireproof. Some of you, you're trying to avoid the pain when God's like, I'm trying to get you in there so I can do something so great in you and through you that it glorifies me. David would say, don't avoid the lions and the bears because you got to learn to beat the lions and the bears before you'll ever beat the giant. He'd he'd tell you, don't, don't, don't run away from Goliath. Don't run away from the giant because you got to learn to defeat and fight the giant before you'll ever be invited into the palace. You got to learn to avoid spears before you'll ever become king. And you got to learn to fight battles before you will ever unite the kingdom. The God used every experience to make David a man after his own heart. Was David talented? Yes, but he was not equipped apart from Jesus Christ to do what he did. It was the power of God within him. It doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect, but you can't run from the thing and go around the thing that God's wanting to bring you through. What's God wanting to bring you through? Remember our text, James 1, verse four, it says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. That's it. We're like, okay, God, you're done. (laughs) Done, tapping out, I'm done, prematurely. Don't get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I'll close with this. When I go home today, um, my wife has been working. I married, I way out-punted my coverage. Um, I married way out of my class. And my wife has uh, roast, she has potatoes, there's vegetables, but I'm not going to eat them. And there'll be rice. And I'm just going to be honest with you. There's going to be lots of gravy. Lots of gravy. And it's going to be everywhere. Praise God. Got a witness. Turn that into an organ. Woo! Um, I, 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 man. And she has also started working on, on Friday, she made the crust for a homemade coconut cream pie with meringue, oh. And I know it's lunchtime, so trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna keep you long. But I'm telling you, my wife, she can cook a coconut cream pie. It's best coconut cream pie I've had. And I'm not just saying that because she's my wife. Woo. And, and here's the deal, it, it's homemade. Like a lot of people say, oh, I make homemade pies all the time, but you pie your pie crust at a store. That wasn't made in your home, so it can't be homemade. I'm like, no, 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 that's an oxymoron. It's not homemade. So I'm starving right now. Anybody else hungry today? You're just like, yes, hurry up, because now you're talking about food. At the end of the message, you're just a cruel, sick man. When, when I get done, I'm so hungry because I don't eat very much on Sunday mornings because I don't want to burp all through the message. You're welcome. 
that I, I want to eat anything. I, I do. I'm just like, anything. I will go eat Taco Bell, and I hate Taco Bell, but I'm like, I'll even eat the devil's food. That's fine. You know, give me some Taco Bell, and I'll, I'll eat it. I just, I just, I'm starving. And so I, I know what's waiting for me if I have the patience, and it's going to take her time to make the gravy and get the roast out and cook it and all that. And I mean, not cook it, but cut it up and all those, all those things. And so the temptation is this. I've got this available to me right now. I've got a Marie's calendar, slow roasted beef with garlic mashed potatoes and vegetables and savory gravy. And I have a peach pie made in-house at Walmart. Ooh. And here's the deal. You know, I know, no way. I know what's waiting on me if I have the endurance and the patience to wait for it. It's something way, way better. Don't stop prematurely. Don't stop short of what the test and what God is wanting to do in you. He's wanting to develop you. He's wanting to take you through the process. Don't settle for this kind of spirituality. Don't settle for this kind of experience, but decide that you're going to go into yonder and you're going to go through what God is calling you to. Go through the experience. Go through the furnace. Go through the giant. Go through the lions. Go through the bears and get a hold of what God has for you. A mature, well-developed life that's not lacking in anything. Don't stop it prematurely. Don't stop and say, I can't take, but keep going through it because God is with you. I am your God and you will not fail. I am your Lord. That means I am your strength. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness, which is my right hand of justice, of victory, of salvation, of deliverance. I don't know what you need this morning, but I can tell you God's got it. I don't know what you're fearful of, but God's got you. I don't know what you're lacking, but God's got it. He doesn't need you to be capable. He just needs you to be obedient to go take over yonder and live this big full life that he has for you. Man, step into the bigness and fullness of your over yonder moment and find the significance that God has for you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And God, I pray, speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives in a fresh way. In a new way, God, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter where we're at, God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would have your way in us. And the Lord, we would have ears to hear. Holy Spirit, what you wanna to speak to us. That we would just take time to listen and to respond to what our over yonder is, to what our significant moment is, and that we wouldn't try to get around it because it gets tough. We wouldn't try to detour it because, man, there's testing and there's pressure and there's development and that's not fun, but God, we would go through it so that we would be well-developed and mature, not lacking anything. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you that chance. Maybe you're here and the simple reality is you're just not where you need to be in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you need a change. You know you need a change. I'm going to count to three. And when I do, all I want you to do is raise your hand right where you are and we're going to lead you in a prayer that's going to change your life. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, He 
is faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness. And today, if there's a change that needs to happen in your relationship with Jesus Christ, when I get to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say, Justin, that's me. There's one hand, there's two hands, there's three hands. Is there anyone else you say, Justin, that's me. There's four hands. Is there anyone else today you say, Justin, that's me today. I want to join these four hands that are lifted in this place. Is there anyone else you say, Justin, that's me today. Before we go any further, we're not going to embarrass you or call you out, but you just say, that's me. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you'd please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace and mercy would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Believe, belong, become. Join in our vision here at Foundations Church. Services are every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. and our youth service voltage is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more about us or to get plugged in, check us out online at foundationschurch.tv.